0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, the Senior Pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message, that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I'm doing part two of what I started last week. If you weren't here last week, try and get the podcast because I talked about Lillis Trotter. Did anybody hear about Lilith Trotter last week? Wow, incredible lady, who years ago, very wealthy parents, stockbroker parents, became a Christian, was, gonna, was told by the art critics of Europe, you are going to be a immortal artist if you keep going. And, uh, and so she got encouraged with that, but, the Bible t- but she s- says, she went to the Bible and God's word said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be done to you. And she sought the Lord. And the Lord said, I never called you to be an artist, though you're gifted with it. Fantastic. He said, I've called you to be a missionary to North Africa. So if you can get hold of that, because she, uh, as a wealthy girl, left with two other ladies and went to North Africa. And uh, today, the gospel in Algeria, I read in the Christian Post in 2019 that the church in Algeria had grown 50 times in 10 years but Lilith's never got a mention. Everybody, don't look for the mention, because in heaven, your name is recorded, and your mention is there. But she put to their lives before us a beautiful possible life, one with a passion for giving that shall be poured forth for God, but will be spent on mankind. So this girl had a clue about the importance of what she was called to do, and realized God had called me, but I'm going to pour forth. So she was in the hot land of Algeria from the Greenland of England, no air con, no electricity, no fan, and for decades brought the gospel. Wow. But Everybody, you're not called to be Lillis Trotter, but you're called to be you. You're called to be you. And what has God put on your life? You're anointed for it. When I go to uh, Eastern, G- East Europe, where we are been involved in days gone by, going to Kiev, God's hands on my life in Eastern Europe. I know that I've got a touch of God on me for Eastern Europe. Strange. When I go into Africa, I don't know what you Africans are all doing, but when I'm there, I'm anointed. <laughs> so I go to Africa. It's something happens. Things start happening. I get God moves. Things start happening. I walk, I walk into Rwanda. It's like, everybody walks up to me quietly in Rwanda and whispers in my ear, pastor, when you start a church, I'm coming. I'm like, why are you saying that to me? And they go, because I just feel to tell you when you start a church, I'm coming. I'm like, what? And all the time. It's like person after person after person. Like, there's things where you go, you put your foot in, and if it's God's calling on your life, things happen, things open, doors happen, favor happens, and miracles happen. So so I want to make sure that in my ministry time at Global Heart Church, that all everybody here, long after I'm gone, I'm on a thing now for the next 30 years. Long after I'm gone, everybody knew we weren't just called to be Christians and then die and go to heaven, but that we got saved and then we purposed to walk in God's calling. That's my mission for you. So, I'm going to help. I've helped a lot of people with this, right? But I'm going to help some of you get the, your arm off the sabotage button because I find so many Christians are sabotaging what God's trying to do with wrong thinking and a wrong attitude about themselves. And that wrong attitude about themselves is usually, I'm not that important in what God's doing. And I want to say to you, that is totally wrong because everything you do or don't do has a ripple effect everything you do or don't do has a ripple effect. You know, in Genesis 12, it's so so powerful because in Genesis 12 and I'm talking about destiny again, it's actually the story of Abram who, you know, many times believers have heard that if you're a believer you've heard about Abraham. It was Abram became Abraham had the call of when the call of God comes on your life, it's the breath of God and the H comes on your life, the Abraham of God's breath and calling. But a lot of people don't know the lead up to this calling and they don't know the fact that really Genesis 1 to 11 is about humanity collapsing, if you like, falling apart. And then Abram is the son of a man called Terah. And a lot of people think that Abram was suddenly this, this guy who always served God, just very different to you, wandered around, sorry, very different to you. He just was anointed to be the father of nations and walked around with Sarah just waiting on God's will. Wrong. Abraham's father, Terah was his name, means moon. And they were idol worshippers worshipping the moon. They were lunar worshippers. In actual fact, uh, at the end of chapter 11 of Genesis, it says that they actually settled in Ur of the Chaldeans. Well, Ur of the Chaldeans, just to give you some information, was the place of lunar worship. So this man, Abraham, who... Today, the mosques in Perth, the churches in Perth, the synagogues in Perth, will all know of Abraham. Most people don't realise that he and his family were idol worshippers. They were worshipping the moon, the lunar God. They weren't worshipping God, they were worshipping idols and, uh, and in fact had nothing to do with the God of the Bible. And then God steps into Abram's life. How many people have had God step into your life when you were least expecting it? How many of you just knew that you would be a Christian person? You just knew always you would. There'd be a small amount. But the rest of you, we just asked your friends and family and they all voted, no, not you being a Christian. (laughs) It was the grace of God. It was the call of God. And here's Abram with his family. And Joshua 24 confirms that They were idol worshippers. They were not followers of God. And uh, in, so in Genesis 12, as I said, humanity is collapsing. It. In Genesis 12, God goes, verse 1, Get out of your country, he says to Abram, from your family, from your father's house to a land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Well, don't you love God's word there? Get out everybody who thinks that the Lord's always just, you know, gracious and uh, everything's so sweet, God goes, get out. Get out, Abram. You need to get out of your moon-worshiping community and begin to follow me. Some of you here, you're involved in occult and witchcraft, and then God came along and said, get out of here. You're involved in all kinds of sin, and God said, come away from that. And, uh, and so God goes here, get out, Abram. Move out of there. And he says, in fact, get out of your country. Everybody, you may not be called to get out of your country, but God is calling you to get out of your comfort zone. Wow. He's calling you to get out of maybe religiosity. You may not have to leave your country, but God's saying the zone you live in is a religious zone. That means that we do things. We just do them in a routine. Maybe our grandparents did them. But there's actually no power there. There's actually no supernatural calling there. You're not running on, wow, you're not living on, God called us to do this. God called me to do that, and I'm walking in His calling. Everybody, you know, every believer here, if you're a believer, you should be going, I'm walking in God's calling. I I was reading some reviews on different churches around the world the other day, and I was just having a little look. And so many many Christians went, I really like going to this church because it's inclusive. So many of them. It's like church after church. I really like this church because it's inclusive. Look, (laughs) nice. (laughs) But who cares? (laughs) Honestly. Honestly. I was like, what is wrong? We are having to be so careful as Christians because we're moving away from the Bible to the culture of the world, which is, do you feel inclusive? Well, then that's the will of God. No, I wanted people to say, I go there because they're helping me move into the call of God for my life. I go there because that's where God commissioned me to the mission field. I go there because I became a Christian businessman who now finances the building of churches around the world and the feeding of the poor. (laughs) Honestly, everybody, we're here to help you get into your destiny not go, I like those guys, it's inclusive. And if you do, if we are, we should be. But that's not the goal. Or to go, oh, they're friendly there. What? Look. Good. That's down here. It's like I go there because it's helping me to fulfill God's will. God's will. My children are now fulfilling God's will. So, everybody, look, they're all nice thoughts, but that's not the goal of the church. If you think the goal of our church is just for you to feel inclusive, I've failed. I've failed. Because that is not my goal. My goal is to help see you and your children get a revelation. We need to walk in God's calling. Walk in God's calling. And then he says to Abram, get out from your family as well, from your father's house. That's not very inclusive. He just booted you from the family. (laughs) Sue and I had to do that. We had to make a decision, love our family, but I couldn't walk with them. They were not walking where I was, where God was calling us to go. Sue did the same. Could, we had to go, we're walking here. We had to follow the Lord and not walk even with believers sometimes. There's a whole lot of believers who are not doing God's will. And they're resistant to God's will or sabotaging it. So you're going to find people, hang on a minute, I've got to get around people who are walking after God's will. So... And I was, I was so blessed yesterday because you just saw, I think you saw a picture of Nathan up there at Influential, my middle son, who I'm so proud of. He's amazing. But Nathan, as a little boy, I told the guys yesterday, he was so quiet when he was young. Nathan was the one who didn't have words. He was, he's an introvert by nature. But he, and even as a little boy, we say, Nathan, what do you think? We'd ask Sean, we'd ask Jordan. They always had a quick opinion. <laughs> And then we'd say, Nathan, what do you think? And he'd look at his brothers many times to see what they thought. But we'd say, what do you think? And I'd say, boys, let Nathan tell us what he thinks. And then Nathan would tell us what he thinks often. But sometimes he'd say, oh, what Sean said. And that was all right. But now he's up and I just watched him, you know, yesterday talking and leading. And he's ended up, he's ended up uh, doing his master's. He's ended up uh, working for a state politician. He ended up running the federal politician's office. Now he's working for a top company in Australia. That's an international company. And uh, he just actually was helping talk to the CEO last week. And all of it, and he says, all of it is, I put God first. I asked the Lord, what am I to do? I asked the Lord, where am I to work? And I'm in God's calling, building his house. (laughs) And I watched... And Geordie doing the same. And then next minute, God drops these beautiful daughter-in-laws into our family. How the heavens do we get those good beautiful girls with our rough sons? I don't know. (laughs) But by the grace of God, God drops Bianca in and Kerry into our family. We're like, my gosh, I've got beautiful soup, beautiful daughter-in-laws, the grace of God. But how's it happening? Lord, what's your will? What do you want us to do? what do you want us to do? And then from that, then we set off, Sue and I set off, and everybody, and then God begins to, hello, work through us as we set about saying we need to be an example to our children. Every parent here, you are the example to your children, whether they're walking into God's destiny or not. We have to work hard sometimes, because sometimes the parents are not carrying that. The Bible tells us that Abraham then set out to follow the Lord. And, uh, and then with Sarah, who was 100 years old, the Bible says Sarah is barren. She can't have any children. And so she's walking with the guy who's the idolater, who God says, I'm going to bless you. You're going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing to the nations. And then he's like, well, how's that going to happen? We've got no children. And then God says, yeah, but you've got Sarah. And he's like, well, she's nearly dead. How are you going to do this? Great hope for all of us, because the barrenness of Sarah represents your human hopelessness. The barrenness of Sarah is actually representing your human hopelessness. So you might be able to do a job and have a car, but God says all of us outside of Him are actually hopeless. That's why people end up doing all the crazy stuff that you see on the news. By the way, turn the news off if you can. I think they're trying to up upgrade you moment by moment with negative news. Make your own headlines. There's a thought. But they're trying to put stuff in there and you just see the human race without God, hopeless. Right now, the pandemic around the world, we're seeing too, there is no government that is the answer. They can try their best and many of them are, but they're not the answer for humanity. The answer for humanity is Jesus Christ, His word and His kingdom. That's the answer. And so God's call is so necessary for your life because we see with Abraham that Abraham was dead spiritually without God's call. Guess what? We are dead too without God calling us. Come on, come and know me. Come to me, I'm gonna forgive you. Come to me, I wanna forgive you. Come to me, I wanna set you free from your past, your sin, your regret, your burdens. God's saying, come and come to me. So, so uh, Abraham's children hello, Isaac, <laughs> they would, everybody would have been continuing the idolatry um, life and generations if Abraham didn't say yes to God. So just think about that for a minute. Let's get this in spiritual context. If you don't say yes to God, your children and grandchildren will become idolaters as well. What are idolaters? When you make anything else more important than God. So in our family, generational brokenness, generational dysfunction, uh, yet my mom's family, super wealthy, but no God, yet everybody made something an idol, a car, a house, yourself, your life, your things, and missed God, yet everybody, even the wealthy, super unhappy. There's something missing, missing, and those two were just broken, that they were just caught up in that self-sabotage thing. And yet all of it is idolatry. So here's what happens, everybody. If you're confused about being a Christian, why do you sometimes, you become a Christian, why, and it's a bit confusing, a bit. I'll tell you why. It's because you've left a godless culture or you're leaving one. And then God is now turning you around into kingdom culture. So I was in godless culture. What does that mean? It means that it was about me. It was selfish. It was dysfunctional. Uh, it was full of my opinions. It was full of the world. It was full of sin. It was full of my flesh in control. And then God says, no, I'm going to break that off now. I'm taking you out of godless culture, in a culture with me. It's the kingdom of life. It's the kingdom of freedom. It's the kingdom of liberty. But it is the kingdom of service. It is the kingdom of surrender to me. That is huge because if you want to know God's will, this is where people get the balk happen. You know, balk and people are like, just about to, and then... Uh, Because real Christianity, everybody, real Christianity is not being religious. Real Christianity is the surrender of your will. Thank you for that thrilling amen. That was amazing. (laughs) Real Christianity is the surrender of your will. It's the surrender of your will. That's where the power is. That's where the life is. That's where the revelation is. And that's where my boys became free. Sue and I would have passed so much bondage to our three sons. So much bondage. They would be riddled with bondage. But for all the parents who think, oh, look, I'm just doing my thing. No, no, you're passing something because she won't address it. You're passing it. It's going into your kids now. Now, straight into them. So we had to say, Lord, let's hold hands, (laughs) Sue. Help us, Lord, to surrender your will. And help us now to become a sterling example for our boys to follow, help us Lord, so we had to walk off with three little boys, and say Lord help us now to example following you, so that they also will want you, so that our grandchildren will want you, so that our great-grandchildren will want you, and now the three of them are walking in their own personal relationship with God, and we're discussing not just their prayer time, but what God is saying to them about their life, oh is that a happy day or what, is that a happy day or what, That's the greatest day, parents and grandparents, you can have. Talking about their calling, what God is saying about their calling, and then them fulfilling and walking in that, in Jesus' name. You know, uh, people love that movie, The Hobbit, and they love the movie, uh, Lord of the Rings, the trilogy. Who's seen all those? I can point you out without even pointing you out. (laughs) Look, they're amazing, so good. But for those who know what I'm talking about there, The Hobbit is more like... uh, It's an adventure movie. You go out, you have a great adventure, it's awesome, and then you come home. But the Lord of the Rings is incredible, because really it's a spiritual insight into the fact that for a Christian, we're not on an adventure, you're on a quest. You're on a quest. And a quest is totally different, because a quest is something that you didn't choose, it chooses you. A quest is something you didn't choose, the Lord of the Rings, the quest is that you're chosen for it. Listen, it's God chose you. And here's the thing, right? When you're on a quest and it's chosen you, God's chosen you, listen, you're changing. You're changing. You're changing. Husbands and wives, that's why you need to give each other grace. It's really challenging because you get married young or dysfunctional and suddenly your husband or wife is changing. You're like, who is this? (laughs) Who is this? I went to bed last night. Who are you? So, Sue and I get married, totally dysfunctional. Sue's from a broken family. I'm thinking I'm the knight going to rescue her. And then one day Sue says to me, listen, I don't need you to rescue me anymore. I'm being healed in Jesus' name. I'm like, oh. She goes, so the Lord's healing me and I'm really getting healed. I'm not doing that broken life anymore. I'm not the broken little girl. I'm a woman of God. <laughs> and, and I know she's watching, and then Sue said to me, and I'm reading a book at the moment, and it's really helping me to get healed, but chapter 10's all about you. <laughs> I preferred you dysfunctional. <laughs> 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 Sue's like, have a read of it if you can sometime. And then she goes, in actual fact, read the whole book. Anyway, but she's right, because we're on a quest where you're changing you're meant to be changing to fit the great call on your life. Thank you, that was thrilling as well. Just overwhelming, amazing. You're meant to be changing to fit the calling on your life. Everyone, let me say one more time. Actually, let me say two more. <laughs> You're meant to be changing to fit the calling for your life. All right, you guys warmed up. Over here, you need a little bit of heat. You need a bit of heat. You're meant to be changing to fit the calling for your life. And people should be looking at you going, what's happening there? What's happening with you? What's happening with you? Now, Pastor Luke, I don't even know who the other guy was when he came to church. That guy, long gone. He changed. Lisa, like, I don't even recognize you anymore. Liam, I know you by the... No. <laughs> These people are totally different because they're on a quest. not of their making, God called them. Listen, they responded. And then the quest and the call changes you. Everybody, stop trying to hang on to who you were. No, I've always been like this. Yeah, no, nah, always been like this. Yeah. Yeah, my wife, she's the same as well. Yeah. Always been like this, the two of us, yeah. That's how it is, yeah. Yeah, like us or lump us, yeah. Well, the problem is a whole lot of people lumped you (laughs) when you were meant to be being used by God. Everybody, the moment God starts working in your life and you respond to Him, you're changing. My mouth changed. Every second word was a swear word. Like, seriously, I know you think I'm so holy, I know. But everything starts changing. Why? Because I'm on a quest. Not of my making. It's the call of God. It's the call of God. (laughs) Don't base your decisions, everybody, on what's best for you now. Because your wisdom is not that good. Don't base your decisions on what's right for you now. Your wisdom's not that good. Mine's not that good. I have to base my decisions on what I'm doing on, Lord, what do I need to do? What should I do now? How do I serve you, God, in your house? How do I serve in the community? Lord, how do I serve in your house? How do I serve in the community? And then don't tell God the answer. Don't tell God the answer. Lord, you have until September 4th at 3 p.m. Or Don't give God the time frame. (laughs) Say, Lord, show me what to do. And God goes, okay, I will. And then He'll give you 24 hours. Do this tomorrow. All right then. Do that. God goes, wow, well done. What will I do tomorrow, Lord? Do this tomorrow. Sometimes God will show you 24 hours ahead because He's trying to get you in the flow of surrender. You know, years ago, there was an amazing lady named Helen Lemel. Have you guys got a picture of Helen? She's amazing. And a lot of people don't know about her, but today we were singing her song. Remember we were singing that song, "Someone let us so beautifully turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Helen and them, we'll just go back to the first picture. Helen was the, the darling check of her day. She was leading praise and worship for Billy Sunday. She led uh, praise and worship for D.L. Moody. She was incredible worship leader and uh, incredible music gifts. And then they said to her, why don't you go off to Germany? Germany was the vocal school of the world at that time. Go off and learn all the vocal techniques and then come back to America and teach all the the choirs and the vocalists and the worship teams how to sing properly. So she did. She went off to Germany for a number of years, meets a German guy, and then they fall in love. He's a Christian. They fall in love. And then they come back to America. And then she gets diagnosed with a terrible eye disease. They can't fix the eye disease. It gets worse and worse. And eventually, Helen, who was on the stages of the world leading worship, goes totally blind. Her blindness, by the way, was not self caused. There's a thought. That's why sin's so terrible, everybody. That's self caused blindness in regards to the things of God. That's why the Lord says, Give me your sin, because it brings spiritual blindness to his call and purpose. She goes totally blind. Helen's back there. And then listen to this, her husband leaves her. He can't deal with Helen being blind. So he then can't take it. So he leaves and returns to Europe. So Helen Lemel, called by God, loves the Lord, has now gone totally blind. And I'm just thinking of all the Scriptures, you know, that she would have drawn on Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. She didn't fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Proverbs three, have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your feet from being snared. Listen, everybody, sometimes serving God doesn't all go perfect. Not every time do you serve the Lord and everything goes perfect. No one gets a perfect life. Sometimes I hear some preachers, don't want to pick on the Americans, but sometimes the American preachers, particularly, this is your year, this is your amazing year, this is your incredible year. Listen, sometimes your incredible year is incredibly difficult. I'm sometimes like, what planet do you live on? Real life is painful, real life can be tough, real life can go wrong. But in the middle of it, God says, I'll be there with you. Don't fear sudden disaster. So guess what Helen does? She writes a beautiful song along with 400 others in her life, 400 other hymns she writes. Helen writes, totally blind, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and she's gone totally blind. God takes Helen's song and it goes around the world and hundreds of millions of Christians sing Helen's song Millions and millions of people come to Christ. Churches sing it for, hello, a century plus. And most people don't know that it's from a little lady who worshipped the Lord, wrote praise and worship, wrote beautiful hymns, went totally blind, was left by her husband and then decided to sing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Wow. Wow. What's stopping you from fulfilling God's call? Helen went on, as I said, to write 400 more hymns. She had a little keyboard. It was a little broken down thing. And she prayed and said to people, I'm believing in heaven. The Lord's going to give me this huge, you know, uh, orchestral organ that I can play in heaven. She went on to live to 97 years old. She didn't have a lot of money. She ended up financially very hard pressed. But at the end of her life, they said to her, Helen, how are you? Listen to this, everyone. They asked Helen, 97 she died. How are you, Helen? And she said, (laughs) everybody who thinks you can't serve the Lord with challenges, she said, I'm doing well in the things that matter. I'm doing well in the things that matter. Wow. She loses a husband. She ends up financially not well off. She's blind, and at 97, she says, I'm doing well in the things that matter. Everybody, God's salvation for you is the most important thing. And then what you do with your life and your time for God is the most important thing that matters. Let's all learn from Helen today, who her friends said right near the end of her life, we couldn't believe it, she was still filled with such great joy and enthusiasm. Life didn't happen to Helen Lemel. Helen Lemel, everybody, happened to life. Helen Lemel happened to life. She made a decision. This is the card I've been dealt. I'm not going to let it stop me or wreck me. I choose to serve the Lord every day for the rest of my life, whether I see or don't see. Can we give the Lord a hand for the life of Helen Lemmel? I think we might need to just keep that song going, someone, over the next week or two to remind us all that if you can write a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus After Going Totally Blind, then maybe just you and I could serve the Lord when it's not working for us. Could we be upstanding, everybody? Come on, let's sing together with the team.